This is the PSA Podcast, where we deep dive into the business of technology and automation. Welcome back to the PSA Podcast, where we deep dive into the business of technology and automation. I'm Marty Wolf, and with me via Skype today is Mike McHale, and Mike is the CEO of Production Systems Automation, short for PSA or long for PSASystems.com. Mike, welcome back, man. Good afternoon, Marty. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. We're experiencing some storms and stuff, but uh, Skype seems to be working fine. And Mike, before you introduce our guest, I would like to kind of make a little bit of an announcement here, maybe to frame this discussion. Maybe we'll have something to talk about this, but let me let me share this with everyone. We are recording this PSA podcast the uh, month of April 2020. And by the way, you've all noticed the world has been disrupted by the COVID-19 pandemic. We fully expect this discussion to be valuable now and in the future. So, Mike McHale, why don't you introduce our guest? Yeah, so on the line we have uh, Eric uh, Camerard from Waste Robotics. He is the uh, chief executive officer and uh, the founder. Um, and Waste Robotics is offering robotic solutions in the recycling industry. Waste Robotics delivers state-of-the-art artificial intelligence in the recycling world um, to in- to increase productivity and profitability to existing and future recycling centers. Welcome, Eric. How are you doing today? Hi, very good. Yourself, Mike. Uh, this is thanks for having me on this uh, podcast. This is this is great. No, thank you very much. So, Eric, why don't you give us a little background? What is Waste Robotics, and uh, what are you trying to do? Yeah, in a nutshell, um, we make uh, we use artificial intelligence and robots, and we combine two technologies, and we. Um, we design uh, the software to operate these robots in order to perform um, sorting of waste for recycling purposes. So we'll we'll use off-the-shelf cameras, off-the-shelf robots, and really, uh, Waste Robotics is more like a software company who's analyzing um, the the images and then is dispatching orders to the robots to uh, do the work instead of humans. Basically, we're replacing humans on these sorting lines. So. Is that the problem that you're trying to solve? Is it, a, is it a human issue? Is it an OSHA issue? Is it a profitability production issue? What are, what are the issues that, that your AI is uh, trying to solve? Um, we're tackling several problems at the same time. Um, where you have human labor, obviously you have a, and now more than ever, um, you know, safety and health issues. Uh, but not only that, is uh, there's a lot of labor shortage. This is a very difficult job. It's dangerous. It's dirty. Nobody wants that job. So we're we're bringing automation into this realm. Also, most of the people that are sitting on the side of a belt sorting through your trash and my trash, uh, they don't want to be there. So precision. Uh, of sorting is not so great. So by by bringing automation, we're bringing precision, reliability, predictability, safety. So there and so that's that's a lot of problems we're solving all at once. So and so really, this is not necessarily a, a robotic play. This is a artificial intelligence, cloud computing, big data play. Uh, can you you know, dive into that a little deeper? And, um, yeah, absolutely. Can you kind of explain that a little bit? 
Yeah, you're right. Uh, the robot is just a commodity. It could be any type of robot, any form factor, depending on the needs. So the robot is not the, the core of this. It's really a brain. As, a, as, a, as I said, we're using cameras or several sensors, actually. We use multiple sensors. We use 2D cameras, color cameras. We use 3D cameras to have the perspective on, on the, the 3D. And uh, we use hyperspectral cameras. This is where actually the, the technology goes beyond what humans can do. We can actually see the chemistry of products so we can differentiate between different types of plastics. So, and then we get all this data out of the sensors, and now we need to process it. And processing it in the good old days, trying to do geometry or color match like we were doing, doing in computer vision, uh, beginning of uh, the computing world, um, this is not, it never worked in random environments, but with the advancement in artificial intelligence, with the release by Google in 2014 or 15 of their project, Google Brain as an open source, all of a sudden this AI got sort of a, out there in open source, a lot of people started developing, and we we got on the actually Waste Robotics was uh, founded in 2016, just right after the release of that code, because now you could actually start recognizing random items in random environment by using AI, which you cannot do with the conventional computer vision that we had before. Interesting. So, wow. So this is big data outside of what. Um, you know, a PSA or a normal integrator uh, would be working on. Um, so, you know, sorting as a service, I see on your webpage, and, uh, and your uh, webpage is uh, wasterobotic.com. Um, what are you trying to do with, with sorting as a service? Are you selling the technology or are you trying to sell the system? What's the, uh, what's the plan for that? Yeah. Um, as to anything new, uh, there's some people out there that are really enticed by this. They, we talked to a lot of people. Some people, uh, re this recycling world has been pretty tough in the last few years, and it's it's going to get even worse now, I think. Um, it's going to get worse before it gets better. But um, what we discovered is that uh, the interest is is whole. Everybody would like to have these robots, but the capital investment is pretty intensive. So for some people that do not have so much capital on hand to invest into equipment, we uh, designed a service. So we, we we know these robots are they're paying for themselves pretty well. We sometimes in less than a year, and we but the guys don't have the capital to do the deployment or the integration. So we'll say okay. We'll, we'll do the investment, we'll install the robots, and you will pay us just like labor. You will pay us on a, on a per, per ton processed or per pick or whatever we agree upon, and we'll do the work. So it, essentially, it's like we're as if we were um, doing synthetic labor, actually. So people today, they don't want to or they're reluctant to invest into or to have the capability to invest in CapEx, but they already have this OPEX. They're spending all that money on payroll, and we're saying like, look, um, let's let's move some robots in, take your people, put them to a more uh, productive place in, in your plan. For, for sure, there's a lot of work around, and let the robots go at it and uh, give us uh, what you were paying your people, and we'll do better, and uh, we'll do faster and with more precision. So that's there, there's a lot there to cover. So A... You know, the first thing I see, I, I heard there was a one-year return on investment. That's pretty, 
pretty incredible. And then the other thing, if you are providing this as a service, you're taking the responsibility of the technology and the function. And so you're putting your name behind that and your money behind that. Is that a true statement? Absolutely. And, they, and that's part of the, um, when you sell new technologies, there's, there's, you know, you've seen these curves and they have like uh, the early adopters and then they have the gap and, and all that sort of, uh, and it, it's true in, in any deploy, technology deployment. So here, um, we're, we're in an early adopter market. People are buying these. Some of the people are buying, but the mass of the market is still waiting for this thing to prove itself. And by by delivering a, a, a robot as a service or sorting as a service, uh, we we as you said, we 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 just we are very confident. We'll put our, our our equipment there. We'll put our money down, and we know it's gonna it's gonna pay back. And to go back to the the, the payback period, um, the payback period is as anything in robotics is how long do you run the robot? So there is there's still um, out there. If you interlock your humans, uh, humans and robot, for sure you're going to limit your robot because the low, robot will have to sleep at night if you're not running on three shifts. Hmm. But with these lines, what we're doing is the one we want to do, sorting as a service, we designed these lines not to integrate within the existing plan, but to sort of sit on the side as a parallel processing capability. And then they feed this line. And the, the only thing they will have to feed over three shifts is the is is the feeding process the rest of the sorting you don't have to have people there so when we talk about less than a year payback these are applications where actually we would run almost 24 7 with few few hours per day for maintenance understood so you know we'd be remiss at this point if we didn't talk about a little about the the impacts in your world for our for our listeners that don't know the waste world or the recycling world what do you think the uh, impact of the coronavirus and you know what's going on society is going to cause in that industry in the next you know several months maybe quarter two quarters well i think it's just um i don't know how many quarters going to take but uh, i think it's going to change the way we look at things i mean health and safety uh we're never going to look at it the same uh, we now have tools i mean this is not 1918 i mean this is we have tools now to take these people out of arm's way, put robots, bring efficiency up. So we already, right now, there's we're quite busy quoting system in the last few weeks, more than ever. Uh, all of a sudden, there seems to be uh, a lot of interest for this, and we're not even promoting it. I mean, we're not trying to uh, take advantage of the situation, but people are realizing that, and a lot of recycling centers are already closed. So yeah. now all your recycling is going straight to landfill, and people are like, "Well, we don't want to. <laughs> we don't want to live in a world where we're going to landfill everything we produce. So we want rec- recyclability into our products and our supply chain. So they're already looking ahead to equip themselves uh, as we will redefine the world after all this uh, COVID thing. Um, a lot of people seeing." Uh, are seeing innovation, automation. Uh, in, in, in Europe already, the big groups like Suez and Veolia, they're already already publishing um, sort of opinions that, uh, that the government should should help them uh, re-equip themselves with, with fully autonomous lines that don't have humans sorting through trash. Yeah, yeah. and I think for, most, for, for our listeners that don't really understand what a sorting line looks like, typically you have 
many people standing next to each other, very close proximity, sorting trash. So that yeah. does lead to the uh, six-foot problems and also just the work condition problems. Um, so, Eric, if somebody wants to uh, check out your website or your information, where can they find you? Um, it, <laughs> the name is pretty self-explanatory. It's Waste Robotic, uh, our, uh, uh, robotic.com. Uh, if you take waste and robotics on the on the web, you'll find us. Uh, we're easy to find uh, on LinkedIn, on uh, on Facebook, and uh, also on our website. So, um, feel free to reach us, uh, call us. Uh, we'll we'll sit down, see what your needs are. And as I said, uh, you don't need to have a big line. Actually, we're uh, designing very small lines right now for small municipalities. Um, so it's not a it's, it's it's a significant investment, but it's applicable and it's scalable to any size. So people are interested to automate and take care of their own uh, trash, then uh, they should give us a call. Great. Well, so Eric, there, there's another really, really important thing that you did win this year or recently. You you did win the uh, FANUC uh, Innovation Award. Um, why don't you give us a little more detail on uh, why you won that, why FANUC picked you and um, what your thoughts were from that. Yes. Uh, yeah, we were really proud to win that. Um, what, what what happened there is that I think this is one of the first time that the robotics world uh, with this uh, vision system and AI applied to robotics is the first time where Wish Robotics is demonstrating that robots can be used uh, to perform random moves in completely random environments. Like there's nothing more random than a trash rolling down a conveyor. You never know where you're going to see. You never know which type of move you need to make to pick an item. And that in the automation world, the automation world was most, most of it was a pick in place. You knew what the product looked like. You knew where it's going to go. Um, that randomness was not part of the landscape, but now with our vision system, we can do this and it's opening up a whole world for the robotics world. And I think FANUC recognized that right off the bat when they saw that as a guy, okay, these, all the difficult tasks that we were, uh, that we were not able to do, now we can tackle them with that sort of system. And quite honestly, we're getting calls now since then uh, distribution centers uh, that want to do order fulfillment, uh, food sorting, uh, mining. There's been uh, a lot, a lot of requests since we won that award. People are now seeing like, okay, this this machine and, and our machine right now is picking trash, but uh, we, if we teach it to pick uh, pencils or or, or fruits, uh, it will it will pick what it, we tell it to pick. So it's really like a human, and it can be taught just about anything. And now it's, as I said, it's got additional sensors that humans don't have that can tackle very, very difficult tasks in very harsh environment. And that's what uh, Waste Robotics has been recognized for. And uh, I think this is just the beginning of this, the, 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 of this AI slash robotics uh, coming together and delivering really funky applications. Really interesting. You know, the other thing... Um, that like like you to talk a little bit about is the one thing that caught me that struck me is like is super interesting was that your system records the data of every piece of material that does go under your cameras or vision and then you track that to teach to reteach your algorithm um, continually 
Um, yes. I think that's something interesting for the listeners to kind of hear how you do that, why you do that, and why that's important. Yeah, that's uh, AI. Uh, it, it's a buzzword. Everybody's using it. And you have to understand that AI was initially fueled. You need a lot of data. You need to feed. You need to teach it with a lot of data. So you, it's like an artificial brain. You you feed it a lot of example and you say this is a banana, this is a dog, this is a car, and if you feed enough, like ten thousand, hundred thousand, millions of images, then it will start to figure figure out just out of pictures what things are. Now, when AI started in two thousand fifteen, uh, or most of the, the the big push for AI. Uh, they were feeding the algorithm with uh, with data coming out of Facebook and coming out of, uh, of of Google because you had all all these people posting the pictures of their cars, their dogs, uh, and bananas and their face and all this stuff. So there was a lot of data. But if you take AI into the trash world, nobody has pictures of trash. So you need to collect a huge amount of data before this thing starts to get going, and and that's what we've been doing for the last three years is every single picture of every every single robot, every single camera, every single frame of, we save. We keep it. We pump it up in the cloud. And then we teach. We use these images. We, we crop them. We normalize them. We, we archive them. We prep, pre, pre, prepare them. And then we feed our AI. So we, we now have a brain that is sort of centralized in the cloud, but it's feeding off several machines. So, uh, so for example, if I, I have a funky bottle that appears on the market in China, and I have a robot there, and then my client calls up and goes like, hey, Eric, um, this bottle, we, it's not recognized by your system, then we'll, we'll tell them, look, uh, put, the, I don't know, 50, 100 uh, copies of this bottle and put it in, in scan mode. And then we will upload these images to the cloud, and then we will teach uh, our brain that this is a new product and it should go in that bin, for example. And from there on, we can push that knowledge onto all the robots across the world. So all of a sudden, if this product ends up, for the first time, is being taught in China, it can actually be picked in California or in Scranton, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, the next day, because... Now the brain, which is shared among all the machines, can actually one machine can teach all the others, kind of thing. So this is, and this is really, really having the ability to capture and manage and normalize and store. That's also something that is very difficult to do. That's where Waste Robotics on the frontier for this, this sort of cloud robotics AI marrying all these technologies make. Having this infrastructure is really, really key to make these these machines really, really powerful and and sustain changes. Because in the waste industry, things change all the time. And uh, a MRF or a recycling center uh, that was built 20 years ago is basically not very efficient anymore. But with the robots, we'll be able to reteach the robots what to do, and it's opening up uh, a lot of opportunities. Well, that's that's pretty remarkable. Uh, you know, you're the first person that I've heard in in our industry working on things like this. So, Marty, you've been a little uh, quiet on this interview. You have any uh, questions you want to ask Eric? I'm sure you're intrigued. <clears throat> Amazing story. First of all, I'm interested in hearing more about um, 
the cooperation or the feedback or the learning opportunities. I suppose that uh, the plastics industry, the paper industries, those kind of industries uh, play a play a role in this recycling thing. I think, Eric. So, is, is there collaboration, uh, partnering, uh, learning opportunity shared? Yes, absolutely. Um, the, you have to understand that recycling is, is was kind of done blindfolded somehow. Is like you're putting trash in a recycling center, and then out the back comes out bales of paper, bales of plastic, different grade of plastic, different quality, different precision of sorting. So, and then you have these buyers, these paper mills, and these plastic recyclers or reconditioners. You have these metal groups, the foundries that will use that, and before you were buying a, a bale of something and you were hoping that, well, it, 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 what was inside the bale was pretty much what how it looked like outside. It was just a lot of guesswork. But now with this data and these scanners, we can actually, with a scanner in front of a baler before you crush this thing into a cube, you can actually tell that this bale is this quality and this quality. So the buyers or the people who are actually taking the material off the recycling center now have the power to know what they're buying mm. and set the price accordingly. And that is is really powerful in itself. And the other thing is, so so in the recycling world, there's the, the guy who buys the end material, the paper, the plastic metals, and all of that stuff. There's also the people that bring the material to the recycling center. Like the municipality will say, to the, to the recycling center, say, I'll bring you really nice material. You should be able to sell it for a lot of money and life will be good. Now, the recycling center sometimes receive real trash or they'll receive really bad quality material. Actually, the paper is not so good. The plastic is not so good. But now with these tools, like the ability to see everything and the ability to mine through all these images, uh, to, to go through all the images and say, like, look, the, the, the paper, you said you were going to bring me nice plastic. You, you said you were going to bring me nice paper. But actually what you're bringing me is not so good. So we need to readjust the contract between us because I cannot make a living. And a lot of recycling center have, have died or have gone away because they were caught in between this market of buyers and these guys bringing them pretty much crap. Mm -hmm. And now with these tools, like you have tools for these recyclers or these recycling centers to negotiate on both sides to sell a better product, do more precision. And also the guy who, when you accept the material, you know what you're accepting. So you have more data than just truck uh, balance uh, skills uh, data, you know. Amazing. <clears throat> so, Mike, you want to wrap up? Yeah, thank Eric. I'd like to... Uh... Thank you for being on the podcast today. Again, you could check out Waste Robotics uh, on the internet, and their website is wasterobotic.com. Um, and Eric, I really appreciate you coming on, and your technology is uh, kind of mind-blowing um, for what we've seen in the integration space. So congratulations, and uh, you know, best of luck in the future, and hopefully we're, uh, we'll be able to collaborate on some, some projects shortly. Yeah, Mike. Uh, thanks for the invite. This is guys. This is this is a great. Uh, these podcasts is a great idea, uh, and I'm also looking forward to to work with you, Mike. Uh, I think there's a there's a lot of work ahead uh, for there all is. of us in, in this realm. There is. There's a lot. This is, your your technology is going to uh, 
change change how we do many things in many industries i think yes so i appreciate it marty i think uh i think that's it unless you have some more questions i think that's it so eric and mike thank you so much for being part of the psa podcast <laughs>